0: You're tuned into Two Shades of Blue, a Carolina Blitz podcast featuring Royal and Terrence, two brothers from another mother who rep rival teams eight miles down Tobacco Road. Each week, Royal and Terrence will give their real and unbiased take on all Carolina sports and entertainment yo 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 welcome to the two shades of blue podcast my name is royal howell my co-host terence Hatchett. we are a part of carolina blitz led by Vashti hurt and today ladies and gentlemen we have a couple hot topics to hit on we're going to start with coach k coach k coach k leaving the prestigious duke university after 41 years as head coach uh, he took over throne may 16th 1980 um he announced couple days ago that uh, him and his family have decided that this is going to be his final season as head, head coach. Um, it's sent in throughout the college basketball community, uh, throughout the entire sports world. You have some of your famous head coaches, such as Roy Williams, who just retired this past season, uh, John Calipari, um, all issuing statements. Uh, also, Kansas Bill Self, who issued issues statements in regard to uh, sending their well wishes to Coach K. Um, K did say in his retirement presser that, um, you know, him and his family had continuing conversations about this being his last season. Um, Coach Kate also reiterated that him and his wife, um, in the past have also spoke about, um, you know, this being inevitable about this being his last season. Uh, it wasn't due to health. It wasn't due to uh, changes within the college basketball community that he said that this was solely based on, um, this was just the right time for him to retire. Um, I believe that all those did play factors as well as the change in college basketball with the transfer portal and, um, you know, all other type of um, festivities that's going on within college basketball right now. Uh, Terrence, give me your thoughts on coach K, um, you being a Carolina fan watching from across the sidelines. um, Give me your thoughts on coach K retiring, leaving the game of basketball, um, you know, being the face of college basketball. What are your thoughts on coach K retiring? Um, How do you think, um, the John Shire hire will be, and how do you think this will affect Duke in recruiting? Uh, give me your honest opinion, man.
1: Um, we, right now we're just witnessing a change of the guard, and you know, college basketball. The, you know, college basketball, well, college sports in general, it's about the coaches. You know, professional sports, it's about the players. You have a couple coaches. You know, your Phil Jacksons, your Bill Belichick's that kind of our trademark names, but pro sports is all about the players. College sports is all about the coaches because, you know, players come and go every three or four years and, you know, your star players in basketball are now pretty much one and done or two years at the most. So mm-hmm. it really drives the sport of college basketball as the coaches in the last year, we've seen Roy Williams step down earlier this year. And then coach K announcing that this was going to be his last season. And, I kind of had a feeling this is going to happen. I didn't think it was going to happen this year. I thought maybe two or three more years, you know, when Roy announced that he retired, the immediate thought I had was, okay, well, you know, Coach K is up there, they're about the same age, so how long is Coach K going to, you know, stay at Duke? Um, I mean, it's going to be a tremendous loss for the sport. You know, anytime you lose a guy that's, you know, number one and wins five national championships, Lord knows how many Final Fours and ACC titles and pretty much the face of the sport since the 90s. Yeah. You know, when Dean Smith retired, I mean, Coach K pretty much became the face of college basketball. And even before him and Dean were neck and neck, I guess, for that, you know, face of college basketball, you know, along with the John Thompsons and the, you know, the Jim Calhouns and the, you know, John Kyle Perrys. So it's going to be a tremendous loss. He's a great ambassador for the game. Uh, whether, you know, whether you like Duke or not, you can't deny his impact on, not only the sport of college basketball, but basketball. Remember, Coach K was part of the redeem team that really, mm-hmm. you know, you know, team USA basketball, pretty much, they had to redeem themselves. Um, you know, they stunk it up in the 2004 Olympics. And, you know, Jerry Colangelo went to Coach K to fix it. And mm-hmm. um, Coach K took um, – you know, what he learned from the NBA game and brought that to Duke, I think, you know, that obviously helped him Duke get recruiting. And you can kind of see that he adopted more of a modern offense. So, you know, Duke became a place where those top recruits wanted to go to get to the NBA, you know, starting with uh, Kyrie Irving in 2010, 2011. And after that, Duke was just getting guys coming and going, the Jason Tatums, the Jaleel Okafor, Zion Williamson's, Marvin Bagley's. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tremendous Loss for the sport of college basketball. Whether you like the man or you don't, you can't deny what he's done. Uh, as far as John Shire, I think John Shire would be a good hire. He's been on the recruiting trail. He knows him and Nolan Smith and um, it's Chris Carroll. He's on the staff, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris Carroll. Yeah, yep. Nate James. Well, yeah. Nate James got hired recently. I'm sorry, but yeah, Chris Carroll, Nolan Smith, and uh, and uh, you know, Shire. Yeah, those, those guys
1: have been on the recruiting trail, so I don't think Duke recruit would drop off that much. I, you know I heard some people talk about you know some guys go to certain schools for the school and people go to Duke for coach K. But I think Duke has established itself, you know, as a, you know, tr- traditional blue blood, they'll miss coach K, but they'll be fine. You know, the brand is the brand, just like, you know, North Carolina is going to be fine with uh, Hubert Davis. They'll still, you know, go out and get recruits. And, you know, whenever John Calipari leaves Kentucky, Kentucky is a brand. And that'll be, it'll be fine. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be weird, you know, especially next year when coach K does step down in, you know, that Carolina Duke game is Hubert Davis versus John Shire. It doesn't, doesn't have the same ring as a coach K versus Roy Williams or a coach K versus Dean Smith. Um, but
0: time's changing, man. Yeah, it is definitely changing. Um, I will say this about the Shire hire, um, and I spoke on it briefly yesterday, uh, very briefly. I think that, you know, um, being able to adapt to the younger culture, yeah. um, I think should not be underestimated whatsoever due to the fact that um, you have two young coaches. I believe Shire is 33. Noel Smith is young as well. Um, they're able to adapt to the younger culture. Um, when you have these coaches going to players' homes, um, you know, they're trying to get, you know, in tune with, you know, like Coach K mentioned a couple of days ago, Um, his shoe game has to be up to par, you know, when it comes to shoes, music, just the younger culture, anything that the younger ball players are doing now, you want those coaches to be able to adapt to those players in a younger generation. And I think that you having those two young fellows on the squad, um, even Coach K reiterated yesterday on the press conference, he said that um, there are times in practice where Nolan Smith and John Shire are just taking over and he has to sit back and look like, man, like these guys are really – uh, set up for success where a lot of times he just sit back and let them take over practice completely. Now, um, after this season, that's going to be in full effect where you have both these young coaches able to adapt to your culture. Like I, I mentioned before, you have Nolan Smith going to um, the Ritz downtown, you know, downtown Raleigh with that Zion Williams squad on many occasions. Um, also the amphitheater here on Walnut street, where um, these players are going to these concerts. You want to be able to adapt. Can you ever imagine coach K being at the Ritz with future or Rick Ross, somebody coming in town, like, come on now. Like you got these coaches able to adapt with the younger culture. I think um, I will admit this. I was a little bit surprised um, how quick the hire came. But as I said before, that this has been going on behind the scenes for a little bit. Um, Coach K did have a meeting recently with both those coaches um, to let them know his plans, um, a succession plan. And the biggest thing that should not be, um, you know, taken lightly is, John Shire did admit doing his presser yesterday that he isn't trying to duplicate what Coach K did as far as being coach K. There will never be a coach K someone that just brings what he brings to the college basketball sport. Um, As you mentioned, he's an ambassador to the game of basketball, five national championships, um, 12 final fours, I believe uh, produced over 40 first round picks. I mean, it speaks, his resume goes on three gold medals, he was also on the 92 Dream Team as an assistant coach. Uh, I mean, the resume speaks for itself. Uh, to lose that type of ambassador to the game of college basketball is tremendously – I mean, it, it's, it's unreal, man. I can't imagine not having Coach K on the sidelines after this season. That's why I think this season, um, you know, it's going to be a crazy season, I think. I think this college basketball season, you think you heard a lot about Coach K the last three days? This farewell tour is going to be ridiculous. And can you imagine the price of tickets to these yeah. dude basketball games? Not just home, but away also, but especially at Duke. These college basketball tickets, man, are going to be ridiculous. This is Coach K last season, um, you know, coaching a game that he's been a part of for 40-plus years, um, a descendant of Bob Knight at West Point. I mean, like, it speaks for itself. So, this yeah. season, this farewell tour is going to be crazy, man, just unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. I just find it – it's kind of
1: ironic that you know Roy's last game in the Smith Center was against Duke. And this year, Coach K's last game in Cameron is going to be against UNC. It's only right, man. It's only right yeah. to go out. Your last home game in, in the house that you built against the rival team. That game right there, mm-hmm. the environment is going to be something we probably won't see for a long time in the Duke UNC game until yeah. Hubert Davis or John or any coach after that can build themselves up to the, you know, that type of success. Mm-hmm. We, will, we probably won't see a Duke-UNC game with that type of hype around it for a long time. Cause you know, things are going to be different. You know, the sport's different. You know, Duke and Carolina have had their ups and downs the last couple of years. And um, moving forward, it's kind of hard to predict where, you know, these teams are going to be, you know, the game of college basketball is changing so much. You have teams like Baylor, and Gonzaga and, um, you know, Houston, San Diego State's been strong. I mean, you have more – there's more – I feel like the the gap between the Blue Bloods and the others is about as low as it's been in a while. I mean, you got a team like Florida State that's been strong in the ACC consistently, top two or three in the ACC every year. They call themselves New Bloods. So, you know, it's going to be – It's going to be interesting to see what that environment is going to be like for that final Duke-Carolina game for Coach K and Cameron. Even the Smith Center, it's going to be a spectacle in the Smith Center. Um,
0: With fans in attendance, I mean, that's what college basketball missed so much last season. And you heard players continuously on day-to-day basis, even doing press conferences, um, you know, on social media. They missed the fans. Having those fans inside those arenas and stadiums was just missing from the the sport of basketball, man. Like we mentioned before, not having the Cameron Crazies inside Duke last year, that's seven or eight loss. I mean, that's seven or eight wins potentially, man, I mean, that we're missing. I mean, I know that, you know, they canceled their non-conference slate, but I mean, like you get those games back, you get the Cameron Crazies inside Duke. Duke is just a different basketball team at Duke, especially with the Cameron Crazies. I mean, just their will to, frustrate the opposing teams and coaches, man. I mean, just that cannot be underestimated, man. I
1: mean, we see even the pro game. I mean, look at the – look at some of these series in the pros. I mean, that crowd – MSG was electric. I know the Knicks went out in five, but Madison Square Garden was just something to be seen. Hearing that crowd on the TV, um, Dallas last night for that game against the Clippers, which, you know, was an odd series because – you know, Dallas had 18,000 fans, but they haven't won a game at home yet, which is kind of unusual. But we've seen some of these series where the fans – I mean, Phoenix, for example. I mean, yeah, that crowd was going crazy in Phoenix. And I felt like it would be interesting on the pro and cause to see what happens when all these teams have fans again. Because, uh, you know, the Lakers and the Clippers have only had, like, what, 6,000 fans, so they really don't have much of an advantage. I mean, it's some advantage, but when you compare it to, like, these other places where they're having full capacity, like New York, Atlanta – Texas, Florida, um, yeah, um, and not to get off topic, but I mean, you know, the Clippers haven't won a game at home yet in this series, or neither team has won. Six and I feel like three. one reason why the Clippers haven't won because they really don't have a home court advantage. Because yeah, that crowd, you know, they don't have a lot of fans to begin with. Because we know LA is a Laker town, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they don't have a lot of fans to begin with. And then you only allow six thousand Staples, and it's it's not really much of an advantage. But we've seen it carry some other teams uh, through the series, and. You know, some teams have, have college teams had fans at the end, like that last Carolina Duke game. I think they have like three thousand, five thousand fans, and those mm-hmm. three or five thousand fans made a difference in that last Carolina Duke game in Chapel Hill. It was just enough for them to for to really push the team through. Cause like you said, they thrive off of that energy. I mean, even I was at the AU tournament last week, having my friend coaching. and you know, even having like the parents, you could feel the energy when you have fans, whether it's a small crowd, a thousand, couple hundred, or twenty thousand. You just feel the energy, especially when the momentum's building. Players thrive off of that, and um, yes. it's going to be interesting to see, like you said, what happens in college football and basketball, and even pro basketball and football. That, um, what happens when all these arenas are going full capacity? Because, whether what, regardless of how you feel about the whole pandemic situation, every sport is going to be full capacity by the fall. It's it, it's it is going to be the Panthers are going full capacity. I expect the Hornets to do the same, Carolina Duke will be the same. Like right. it's going to be back to full capacity, so um. I think it's much needed because, like you said, not ha- having fans if sometimes it makes the games hard to watch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Indeed, I so. definitely agree. And we're going to switch subjects. Uh, you touched on it very briefly, but this is something that has really been having my blood boiling over the last couple of days. Um, the Lakers. The Lakers, the Lakers, the Lakers. Ooh, I mean, as you know, they were stopped. eliminated from the Phoenix Suns. North Carolina owned CP3, who looked like a shell of himself in games one and two due to a contusion. Um, I believe game three and four, he made that statement at half court after lighting the Lakers up, saying, "I'm back." Um, the, as you know, the Lakers were defeated 42 from the Suns. Booker dropped what 47 points in a closing game at Staples Center. Um, you know, you had Jay Crowder mocking LeBron James at the free throw line area doing the salsa dance, rightfully so. He had his way to do that just because they mocked him after LeBron did his little post up. You had the bench players. Mocking Jay Crowder. You had um, Dennis, I mean, not Dennis Booker, uh, Devin Booker like saying, you know, I thought so. Devin Booker literally kept looking at the Lakers saying, I thought so after dropping 47 points with 22 in the first quarter. I mean, it speaks for itself. Um, you had Magic Johnson, who used to be a part of the Lakers uh, front office, um, appeared on a radio show yesterday saying that he didn't think that uh, potentially assuming Dennis Schroeder Being a free agent, he didn't think that Dennis Schroeder should be back in the Lakers uniform. Um, As you know, Dennis Schroeder uh, famously declined his his offer sheet from the Lakers. I think it was like $84 million. He said that he wants, he's seeking a max contract, where I don't know where the hell he thinks he's going to get that from. If he thinks he's going to get $100 million from the Lakers, that's not happening at all. Uh, You also had Rob Palenka, who recently Uh, stated that he's trying to keep the Lakers' core together. Uh, I'm thinking he's talking about LeBron and AD, of course. Um, LeBron enters his 19th season next season. Um, The Lakers, you know, after 70 games from the bubble, didn't really have a full offseason to recuperate, neither did the Miami Heat. As you know, both teams are both eliminated from the postseason. And the Boston Celtics. Yeah, and the the Boston Celtics. So, I mean, not only did you not have a full offseason, you had these teams that are really going back-to-back uh, from the bubble atmosphere to a full NBA 72-game season um, this year. So not only did you – you know, that you didn't have teams able to come back into that atmosphere of having a full offseason, able to let their bodies rest. Um, you had AD who had an injury. You had LeBron who was playing off an injury. Dennis Schroeder playing off an injury. Um, you just had a lot of injuries within the sport of basketball, not, you know, due to a lack of a full NBA offseason. Um, but my main thing I want to hit on right now is – you have players, and I, I'm, I need to hit on this because it's really been bothering me for a while, is Kyle Kuzma. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly don't know why Kyle Kuzma is still in a Lakers uniform. And I'll tell you this, uh, you know, he has his games where, you know, he'll give you 20, 15, you know, maybe six, you know, six rebounds, two assists. But it's too much inconsistency. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm really tired of it. The Lakers are not a project organization. They're a championship organization. And I feel like Cal Kuzma, he saw Brandon Ingram, you know, thrive outside of the LA organization where he's what, you know, an all-star. He signed a max contract. He's getting paid. And he thinks that he's that same type of player. Let me tell you something, Cal Kuzma. You're not that same type of player at all whatsoever. The project phase and Laker town should be over with Cal Kuzma should not return as a Los Angeles Laker. It, it should, he shouldn't, he's lost on defense. He's too inconsistent behind the three. He doesn't give you that dog mentality. He doesn't play tenacious defense. He doesn't bring it night in night out. He doesn't breathe, sweat and live Lakers. He's not a Los Angeles Laker. He's just not. Send him to damn Siberia or something, man. Like I, I'm just, I'm tired of it. He gets more publicity from TMZ than he does in a Laker uniform. And I'm sick and tired of it. He is who he is at this point. Just call it like I see it. Cal Kuzma is who he is at this point in time. And when you look around the the big-time small forwards and shooting guards in the NBA, Cal Kuzma isn't in, even in the damn top 50. Like, just call it like it is. He he isn't. He isn't. I'd rather see players from the on G League take his spot and show me some type of energy on both sides of the floor, man. He just he doesn't bring it consistently he just doesn't and I'm tired of it Rob Palenka if you listen to this do not have him in Laker uniform and Dennis Schroeder yeah he's done you're done done. too buddy Andre you turned down an 84 or 80 something million dollar contract from the Lakers thinking that you're going to get 100 million dollars somewhere and it shows you that the front office and Lakers felt some type of way about you because that's the whole reason why the Cal Lowry trade didn't go through Mm -hmm. um Let's yeah. You want to say how old Cal Lowry is? Okay, you got a point. Cal a dog. Yeah, but he's a dog. He's a dog. He the team feeds off that type of energy. He plays defense. He's he can shoot the three. He's consistent. He's a consistent scorer. On I mean, he doesn't necessarily take plays off, but his defense throughout. You know, the team feeds off that type of defense that he brings. Full court defense. He talks. He communicates. He, he'll be a great asset as far as having LeBron alongside with him. And then you have an AD who's a powerful four who can stretch the who can shoot threes consistently. Dennis Schroeder, you're not going to be back in LA next year, man. If you are, I'll be completely surprised. But let's listen to this right here Dennis Schroeder was the first Laker since the Lakers moved to Staples Center in 1960 to literally attempt nine shots in a playoff game and not score zero, zero, zero points nine-plus field goal attempts since 1960. You're the first Laker, and you think you're going to get $100 million? You'll be working damn security at Torres R.S. in Antarctica. Get the hell out of here, man. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And you want to get $100 million? The crazy thing is, he'll get it from somebody. And not but the Rob- Lakers. <laughs> Rob Palenka. Please if you give him $100 million, it's a big-time issue. You heard CP3 wants to potentially be a free agent next year. I think he stated, what, two weeks ago that he might not even resign with Phoenix. But I'll tell you this, though. If Phoenix does some damage in the Western Conference Finals.
1: Oh, he'll resign. Why would
0: CP3 want to think- leave, leave a young core, a pre, one of the best scorers in the basketball in Devin Booker, who should be at Charlotte Hornet? Who mm-hmm. the Hornets also rejected and chose who? Frank Kaminsky. Booker. Frank Kaminsky. Who did the Hornets choose over Booker?
1: Frank, you know, it's a, we can say we won this podcast. Frank the, fucking who, Kaminsky.
0: Who did the Charlotte Hornets choose over Devin Booker?
1: Frank fucking Kaminsky.
0: Over Clay Thompson. I can keep going. Donovan Mitchell, the list continues, but that's a different subject for a different day. Michael
1: Porter. <clears> don't get
0: me started. Don't, like, don't get me started on this crap at but all. You think you deserve that type of money, big dog? No. Let
1: me... Um, I'm
0: done. Bro.
1: Just to add on what you said, Dennis Schroeder... You can kiss your Laker career goodbye. The Knicks need a point guard. The Knicks might be desperate enough, too. I think the Knicks should go after Lonzo Ball, maybe Damian Lillard. And I've heard some Laker fans talk about Damian Lillard. That, uh, the, the way y'all saw it, Lakers' solid cap structure, that is – you have less than a, a 5% chance ha- of happening. It's not happening. It's not I'm happening. sorry to break it to you. You are not getting Damian Lillard, Lakers fans. I'm sorry, but this, the way y'all saw cap is structured, it's just not going to happen. Andre Drummond, I tried to warn. I told my homeboy, uh, you know, BT, I told him when they made that move, I was like, I'm not really a big fan of Andre Drummond because I heard Hornets fans talk about Andre Drummond. I was sitting there like, I don't want Andre Drummond. You know, we talk about some guys being empty stat guys, but Andre Drummond is an empty stats guy that is showing his playoffs. He looked lost out there at times. He's a defensive liability. Um, yeah, he gets boards every now and then, but he, he does, doesn't bring you what Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, that combination brought to the Lakers last year. The Lakers mm-hmm. missed Dwight Howard, and they missed JaVale McGee's rim protection They and missed Rondo's point. leadership and playoff experience. Some guys are regular season players. Dennis Smith, I mean, not Dennis Smith, excuse me, Dennis Schroeder is a regular season player. Mm-hmm. He can put up numbers in the regular season when guys aren't necessarily always going 100%, whether they're tired or on a back-to-back or whatever reason. In the playoffs, Dennis Schroeder did not show up. Andre Drummond was useless. Kyle's Kuhlman is a defensive liability. And the Lakers, you know, they come off the, you know, they had injuries or whatever. But one other factor, like you said, they weren't the same team defensively and they don't have shooting. And they got away with it last year because they were that good defensively. Mm-hmm. You had a lineup with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and a combo of JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard with a healthy KCP and Rondo
0: and Danny and Caruso, Green. And also Danny, and Danny
1: Green. Green you know, Danny Green can defend. Uh, then you had Caruso. I mean, the Lakers were hell defensively in the bubble last year.
0: Yeah, that and called- they got
1: slightly worse defensively. Oh, yeah, and Montrez Harrell. What? What the hell happened with that?
0: He's a sixth man of the year last year. Doesn't even get any playing time. I mentioned it last year during the bubble. I felt like the rotations, the rotate, these rotations from Fogle last year, he got away with it because the defense was just that good. The defense, it was a bubble like atmosphere. You're not. Um, you know, the players are like in an AAU type of environment, so their game is like really being put on full display. no crowd,
1: no traveling, no so everything kind of even the game
0: gonna speak for itself. Just like your cat uh TJ Warren from Raleigh, who they gonna went off in the bubble last year until they ran into the Miami Heat, and Jimmy Butler shut his ass down. But like literally, you're in that type of environment. This year it caught up with him because the defense was just that thing going good last year in the bubble. This season it caught up with him and it, like, the rotations. Like, how do you not get that man? I understand at times the lane is clogged. Of course, you wouldn't play him at the same time as Marcus Gasol, who is a rim protector. He clogs lane up too much, though. But, like, you need that type of energy. Don't put him in a game when you're down by damn 30, and, like, it's almost like you're trying to, like, just, you know, not hurt his feelings with some type of shit. Like, dude, like, yeah, man. He's a six man of the year. They needed he a spark. He's going give you energy on defense, and he's a rim protector. He can give you 15 and 14. It's yeah. better than damn. Think what Cal are giving you. It's better than they going to drumming at times, just sitting there lost on defense, and like just like, dude, what are you doing? You're out there for a reason. You got signed. You said, I believe during your third season in the NBA, you said that your dream was always play with LeBron James. Damn, I couldn't tell. Right? Are like, are you serious? What did you give us? Anything on playoffs? I mean, what did you do out there, man? Like, I mean, AD, AD hurt.
1: AD was yeah. hurt. LeBron's not 100%. And Le- LeBron cannot carry a team anymore. It's evident he's going to be 37 next year.
0: 19 years in the league. And I don't,
1: think his, I don't think his ankle is ever really going to be 100% again. Even I think LeBron said it. I don't know if he meant this year or for the rest of his career, but he said something about that ankle. And he's not going to be able to carry a team anymore. So you need your others to bring energy. When AD's down and out, LeBron is tired. That's where a guy, you need some guy to step up and injure. Nobody else brought it. They folded. As soon as AD went down in game four, the series was over. Because Chris Paul saw the opportunity and took advantage of it. Because Chris Paul had a similar situation in Houston where he went down and he felt like it slipped away. So now he's kind of on the other side where AD went down. He's like, okay, guys, this is our chance. we got to seize this moment. Devin Booker seized the moment. He was special the other night. 47 points in a closeout game. He outscored the Lakers in the first quarter by his damn self. And for so. Devin Booker said he did it for Kobe. On
0: yeah. the other team, he, yeah, he he Who was had, more inspired by Kobe. on the shoe that Kobe wrote when he his last matchup with him. He wrote "Be Legendary." You see what kind of car Devin Booker drove up to Staples Center in? Joe <laughs> Dominic Toretto's car. <laughs> Devin Booker
1: brought more of a Mamba mentality than the Lakers did, and that's sad.
0: That's very sad.
1: In Staples, in Kobe's house, It's unacceptable. It is unacceptable. The Lakers. When as soon as 80 went down, I'm not gonna say they quit, but at some point they knew No, they, they
0: quit. They quit. You can say it. If you won't say it, I'll say it. They quit. They, they quit. quit. They quit.
1: I don't know if it was game four or game five, but when they got blown out in game five, they quit. I mean to be down 45 to 18 at home when in the Elimination game is pathetic. It's pathetic.
0: 30 at halftime.
1: Like <laughs> And then you know, people talk about oh, they're making a run, they're making a run. I'm like, please, they're gonna get gassed out. Phoenix was just, Take, they threw out the pedal, and when they, it was time to close them out in the fourth quarter, they did what needed to be done. Cause you thought, And let's
0: we, talk about what CP3 did to the Lakers on a dang-on shoulder contusion, dude. Like, are you kidding me?
1: Because, listen, man, all they put Andre and – I, I told somebody that teams were going to attack Andre Drummond in pick and roll. He cannot guard in pick and roll. Not as well as McGee and Dwight. I mean, Dwight doesn't do the best in pick and roll, but he's more mobile, moves better than Drummond. McGee moves a little bit better than Drummond. Like Andre Drummond just wasn't a great, necessary fit for this Lakers team. I'm, I, and I didn't like the signing when they signed him. A lot of people got hyped up, and I was just like, okay, you know, we'll see. But I had my doubts about Andre Drummond, and it, it panned out.
0: And let me touch um, on this. Let me touch on this, T, because I want to get your opinion on this. When you speak of ball dominant guards, superstars in the Western Conference, give me your top five guards just in the West? straight up. Ball modified ball, just ballers. Just.
1: Oh man! Well, obviously, let's see. One, I was gonna go with Steph at number one. Okay. Um,
0: keep going. N- Would you say I'm gonna Lillard's go?
1: I'm gonna go, Damian, I'm gonna go Damian Lillard at two.
0: Okay. Keep going.
1: Three. Ooh, wow! I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get the slight edge to Donovan Mitchell for now.
0: Okay. At three, you put Devin Booker up there.
1: I put Devin Booker at four.
0: Okay. The only reason I put
1: Mitchell ahead of Devin Booker because Mitchell has been to the playoffs a little bit more than Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. This is Devin Booker's first postseason,
0: but and who would you put at five?
1: Well, if we're just talking guards, not hybrids, because if we're talking hybrids, then I might put Luca Donker's number one, but yeah, you know, he's he's more of a hybrid. So other guard, I mean,
0: and out of those who, five players you just mentioned,
1: I, well, I, I'll just throw John Morant in there. Yeah, just pure guards, not hybrids. I consider Luka a hybrid.
0: Okay, and I ask you that question for a reason. Who do the Lakers have playing in one and two?
1: Dennis Schroeder, KCP, Caruso,
0: Taylor Horton Tucker. It speaks for itself. I asked you that question for a reason because that's what the Lakers are really missing right now. The Lakers need a straight-up bona fide star at the point guard and shooting guard position. And I'll even carry on and say the wing also because – you know LeBron's point. This is his 19th season. He yes. pays a million dollars a year in the offseason just to keep his nutrition up. It speaks for itself. Yeah, man. The Lakers are missing a one and two and three. If you think if you think you're getting Damian Lillard due to the way the contract's set up and the salary cap, that's not happening. It's not happening. The reason why they are able to offer Schroeder 84 million is because he's already signed the Lakers and they have they can match any type of offer. If he wants to get more than that, he's dreaming. It's not going to happen. First off, but the Lakers. They're missing a one, two, and three. LeBron's 1980, has durability issues. Uh, When he's healthy, he's top five in my opinion. No argument against that. But the way that the landscape is changing, especially in the Western Conference, we know the Western Conference has always been known for being known the wild, wild west. You know, you got these bona fide point guards, shooting guards that are just straight up hustlers on the court. They killers. They don't care who you have across your chest. You could be a, Lake, a Los Angeles Laker. It doesn't matter to them at all. They, they don't care. You see what CP3 and Devin Booker did this this thing on past postseason right here. We, uh, we didn't
1: mention um, two guards that are injured right now that could make a huge difference. That could tilt the whole scales of the West next year. Clay Thompson, yeah. if he comes back healthy. That right there could make the water continue like, right like- there. And then Jamal Murray, look, Denver might get to the West Finals or the Finals without Jamal Murray. Imagine if they had Jamal Murray. I would pick Denver to win the West. Possibly the championship, if they had a healthy Jamal Murray.
0: Michael Porter Jr., who is also supposed to be a Charlotte Hornet, what they're doing without Jamal Murray, who is their star, who literally is playing behind the Joker, who is going to probably be this season's MVP, Mm -hmm. they're doing this without their star right now, like – there's star point guard Jamal Murray, who went off in the bubble last year, who it took LeBron stopping him for them to defeat them in the Western Conference with Western Conference finals. Yep. Like, look, think about it for a second. Jamal Murray isn't playing right now, and Denver has a chance to win the West. They have a shot. I'm gonna give him a they shot. It picked up Austin Rivers. Like, bruh, like think about it for a second, man. Like that it's it's youth in the Western Conference. It's youth. Yeah. You got all these young stars on these teams, man, and the Lakers like just like just sitting around like. Just bullshitting right now, man. Mm. Like,
1: can, can I say something real quick, bro? To all these casuals, talking, about, oh, I ain't gonna watch no more. Uh No Knicks, no Lakers, no Steph Curry. Uh, blah 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 blah. If Brooklyn gets eliminated, oh, if you if you enjoy the game, I'm actually kind of excited to see what happens because, like you said, these young guys, it's time to stake your claim. If you're Donovan Mitchell, you're the number one seed in the West. This is your moment. If you're Jokic, if you're the MVP of the NBA, if you get to a West Finals or Finals without Jamal Murray, you'll be the favorites to win it all next year, or at least come out of the West next year. If you're um, Luka Doncic, you state your claim that I'm the future of this league right now and beat Kawhi Leonard and Paul George tomorrow night in Staples and then take on Utah. If you're Devin Booker, you're the next – I'm not going to say he's the next Kobe, but his – Game kind of reminds me a little bit of Kobe. It's the way he can effortlessly score the basketball, kind of has that size, brings that mama mentality. I'm like, okay, y'all call me an empty stats guy for all these years. I dropped 70 in the garden, but y'all tried to say it was empty. It was a garbage game. Boston wasn't playing for it, blah, 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 blah. And then he dropped 47 in Staples. This is your time. In the East, Trey Young has already made a statement. He's made a statement. Giannis, if you're the, if you're the future of the NBA – Now's a great time. What better way to make a statement than to beat Brooklyn and beat Philadelphia to get to the finals? Embiid, if he can hopefully is anywhere close to 100% yeah. healthy, you can make a statement that I should have been the MVP if I didn't get injured this year, which I think Joe Embiid would have won MVP if he had stayed healthy, but that's just my opinion. I mean, him, tip or tap between him, Jokic. You can go either way, but also Ben Simmons, it is time, Ben Simmons. It is mm-hmm. time. Even if Embiid. They should be able to beat the Hawks without Embiid. They should at least win the first couple games without Joel Embiid and then ease his way in. If I'm Philadelphia, game one, Joel Embiid should not play game one tomorrow. We should be able to beat the Hawks at home. You're Ben Simmons. You are 6'10 with the potential to be not LeBron James, but he has that type of skill set the passing, the size, the athleticism. But the one thing he doesn't do is shoot the ball. And this Mm. is between Ben Simmons and Giannis. At least Giannis will attempt the shots, and he'll hit them every now and then. If he's hot, Giannis can hit a couple of threes in a row. We've seen him do it. He shoots about, what, 31 32%. It's not great, but he still takes the shots. Ben Simmons will not take the shots. And until Ben Simmons takes those type of shots, I just don't think Philadelphia will win a championship. I think Philadelphia could win a championship, but I think it's going to be on Ben Simmons. Cause we know what Joel Embiid is going to do. Tobias Harris has been consistent. The addition of Seth Curry was huge. Danny Green, great addition. Dwight Howard, great addition. They're bringing that championship experience, Danny Green and Dwight Howard from the Lakers last year in the bubble
0: mm-hmm.
1: to in- Philadelphia in- this year. And you bring in Doc Rivers. And you yeah. have a young Tyrese Maxey and Shape Milton come off the bench. I like Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is a strong contender to win the East if Embiid is healthy, of course, obviously. But if he is healthy and Embiid can go out there and be 85 90% of what he can be, Philadelphia has a shot. But it's really going to be on Ben Simmons at this point because we know what Embiid's going to do. Embiid's going to get you 30 and 10.
0: And don't forget about Miami. When Miami is, uh, you know, healthy and they get a full all season, like I said, you know, them and the Lakers playing in the championship this past season, only coming off a 70 days rest. And when you get them, you know, Jimmy Butler's a dog. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler's probably one of the toughest guys in the NBA. You get him playing with a young star at center, and you got on Hero, who, in my opinion, had an awful season. But I think, you know, I felt like he was feeling himself with him and yeah. and Tyler. I mean, like, literally, you got Duncan Robinson, one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. I mean, Miami's not going nowhere either. And you heard rumors about them potentially trading for Bradley Bill. You talk about Kyle Lowry, who's going to be, what, a, I, what, I believe, a free agent an this agent, all season? Yeah, he's a free agent. I mean, it's young stars. It's time to transition, like I mentioned earlier with Duke and Coach Kate being able to adapt to the younger generation and younger culture. These young ball players are trying to make a name for themselves, as you mentioned, man. And I mean, like, hey, it's time to adapt to the – you got to adapt. You got to be able to yeah. adapt. And I if think you don't the, adapt, you're going to get left behind.
1: I think the NBA wasn't prepared for LeBron James to be bounced this early. And see, so here's my problem with the media. You know, Max Kellman talking about, oh, no Lakers, no Los Angeles, New York teams is bad for the league. When you're the, – these networks, ESPN and these – you know, hot take shows—they do a horrible job of promoting the game. You have guys like John Morant, Trey Young, and um, Donovan Mitchell who are barely on national TV. Next year, can we have more John Morant on TV, more Trey Young on TV, more Lamelo Ball on TV, more Devin Like, we need to to really pass the torch to the next generation. They, we need to market and promote these guys way more than just Lakers. Brooklyn, uh, New York, like big markets. Like there are guys all over the league that can really ball
0: out. So I'm telling you this right here: if the Hornets are able to get a few more games on national television next season, oh, they will. Trust me, they will. They're going to be. They they're going to be, and they're the Hornets are one center away, one center away from causing serious damage throughout. The entire NBA. Yeah. I ain't just saying that you in conference. I'm talking about the entire NBA. They're one center away. a couple creators we that we talked about in the past that, hey, if you're the GM, if you're the GM for the Hornets, we mentioned it off season after off season. Go get a center. Please. Miles Turner, He's yes, out there. Please, Lord. Miles Turner. He he's out there. Like he, he's he's waiting to be taken. Just please, if you're I'll, the Hornets,
1: I would pack get a his- center. I'd it's get a hell of an offer for Miles Turner. The thing about it is, people forget the Horns were fourth from the East for you know the injuries. For Lamelo got injured, Malik Monk got injured, Gordon Hayward got injured, Graham had some injuries, Rozier wasn't one hundred percent. You know Miles had the COVID protocol, I and mean, we got just absolutely re- got gut-wrenched by injuries and COVID protocol at the end of the season. We were fourth from the East, not the Knicks, not the Hawks. We were we were rolling. We just went out west and we beat Phoenix in Phoenix. Yes. In Phoenix. In Phoenix. You know what I'm saying? Like we we beat some high quality. Teams. We beat the Brooklyn Nets this year. We beat the Bucks this year. We spanked Boston at home without LaMelo, without you know some of our guys. But we spanked the Celtics. Like we beat some good teams this year. So and they're you know, fun
0: to watch. Yeah. The Hornets are fun to watch. There's
1: add a center, please. Like, basketball please basketball. add a center. Please. Yeah. And see what happens. Uh, real quick, Royal. Speaking of the Bucks and the Nets. A lot of people think this is going to be the best series of the entire playoffs. What are some keys that you think that can make a difference for either team? Um,
0: the size, the size of the Bucks could cause issues for Brooklyn. Um, I think the biggest thing, in my opinion, is going to be can the Greek Freak stay aggressive against Durant? Just because Durant can give you, he can pull up from forty, he can give you forty. They call the Brooklyn Nets the lethal lethal weapon three because Harden, Kyrie, or Durant can give you 40 on any given night. You have two players who can give you triple doubles and Harden than Kyrie on any night. They have arguably the best three-point shooter in the NBA in Joe Harris, who you can't double any of those three because if you leave Joe Harris open, Joe Harris, in my opinion, is the best three-point shooter on that team at all. So you leave him open. You got DeAndre Jordan on the bench. You have a supportable cast on the bench. The biggest issue for me is going to be Greek Freak staying aggressive. Can Chris Middleton give you 25 to 30 points a game and be a defensive stopper on the perimeter? Um, Can you match that type of physicality? Because you know Brooklyn is going to attack the hole. Um, Kyrie lives at the free throw line. So does Harden. Can you match that type of physicality on the perimeter? Can you, can you make them create shots driving to the lane? Can you keep Harden off the three-point line? Can you make Harden play defense uh, specifically within the 15, 20-foot area? Um, you got to put a body on uh, Durant. It's, I, I feel like it's so many things to try, you know, try to defend on the Brooklyn Nets that it's going to be kind of hard for Milwaukee. And I see a lot of people saying that they got Milwaukee in seven, Milwaukee in six. I'll tell you this right now. I really don't think this series is going past five. I, I, I know it's a hot take. I'm, I, I know it's a hot take, but I'm calling like I see it, man. I said when the Brooklyn Nets acquired James Harden, they were going to win a championship. Just like when I remember when I believe Ray Allen signed with the Boston Celtics. As soon as it happened, I said, oh, they winning the title. Yeah. As soon as that trade went down, I said, oh, it's it's a, it's a done deal. And the reason why I say that is because when you got that type of firepower offense, and I know defense win championships, I know that Harden is not necessarily – do well in the playoffs. It speaks for itself. His past record speaks for itself, but you have two NBA champions that are playing alongside with him and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. When you have that type of firepower on offense, it's, 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 it's too much to defend. Who do you guard? You can't yeah. double Kyrie. You can't double James Harden. You're damn sure ain't dang on double team. And Durant, when you leave Joe Harris open, he was shooting threes his past series. Like it was like warm lines, like you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, like you cannot, you can't leave him open. All four of them can shoot threes. They all can defend when they want to. On offense, it's they ain't gonna transition layup? Like it's, it's too much to defend. I, and I know that I know the Bucks have defense. They're known for their defense. They can they can they can in, you know insert their will on the defensive end. They can make you play their type of tempo. But it's hard to instill your type of tempo on that type of offense when you got that much firepower on offense. They haven't seen nothing. We haven't seen that like this on offense since a healthy. thing on Durant, Steph Curry, and Clay and Golden State. And I think that this series is going to be over in five games. I really do. I know I'm probably the first person that's going to say that. The only person that's going to say it. You see more people saying the Bucs in six and seven, maybe, you know, the Brooklyn in seven, but it's too much firepower on offense, man. I don't understand. I don't, like, I really don't see them stopping them. I think it's going to be a high scoring series. Oh, yeah, um, I definitely. think it's going to be, you're going to see scores like 120 to 130. Um, I know the playoff pace slows down basketball, but. You're looking at these. You look at this firepower on offense with the Brooklyn Nets, man. It's just—it's too much in my opinion. And I got—I got, I got the—I got the Nets winning in five games. I really do. I know what they call it.
1: I'm gonna put my coach's hat on for a second and break it down from a coach's standpoint. So, I think Giannis is gonna have to play the five a lot, and here's why. Brooke Lopez might not even be playable in this series, and here's why. In pick and roll, you know, you can hedge, you can drop. You can switch, you can go over, you can go under. Brooke Lopez is a what you call a drop coverage bit. So basically what happens is he will switch, but he will drop back and give guys space until they come to a certain point. You cannot play drop coverage against certain teams. The Clippers did this last year with Denver and Denver ate them up. Joker ate them up. Jamal Murray ate them up. When you have three of the most lethal scores in the NBA, you cannot play drop coverage. You cannot play drop coverage. Because if you drop off Kevin Durant, he's gonna he pull up in your face, he'll do it from 30. So imagine him do it from the foul line or the top of the key. James Harden, same thing. He'll he'll just pull up. If you drop off James Harden, he's pulling up. You drop coverage off of Kyrie, he's pulling up. Hell, even Joe Harris. I won't be surprised if they put some Joe Harris or some pick and rolls on Brooke Lopez and be like, okay, Brooke Lopez, I'm either go by you, or if you drop off that much, pull up in his face. Like is Brooke Lopez going to even be playable in this series? Seriously, he either has to make an impact rebounding or he's not going to be playable because you put him in pick and roll. He, they play drop coverage. They're going to get absolutely eight alive with this team. It might work with other teams, but this team, when you got the best score arguably ever in the game of basketball we've ever seen, and Kevin Durant the unicorn seven feet can pull up from anywhere. You have Kyrie Irving, some of the best handles we've ever seen. He'll pull up from anywhere. James Harden will pull up from anywhere. You cannot have that big that plays that type of defensive scheme on the floor against this team. I expect Giannis to be at the five a lot, or you're going to see a lot of PJ Tucker in there. Maybe throw PJ Tucker at the five. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Also speaking of Giannis, Mike Budenholzer has to keep Giannis on the move. We saw versus Miami, instead of having Giannis at the top of the key where all teams can do is just going to zone him up and build the wall like Toronto did, build the wall like Miami did last year in the bubble. They finally, this year, I don't know why it, Mike Budenholzer so long to realize this, the best way to get Giannis, you know, more space to operate is to put him on the move. Mm-hmm. Get him in the post, run some off-ball action for him, run some screens for him, screen for him, get him on the move in the paint. Where teams can't necessarily wall him up because they do double in the paint. You got to kick out for the three. And adding Bryn, adding PJ Tucker and Brent Forbes has helped the Bucks out a lot mm-hmm. to underrated pickups because PJ Tucker loves the corner threes. Brent Forbes is one of the best shooters in the NBA. He came from the Spurs. He could knock down the three. He played outstanding in the first round. I think another key that a lot of people aren't talking about is Jeff Green is out with Plantar Fashion. He's one of the best players for Brooke off the bench. Mm-hmm. Can they get Jeff Green healthy and back into the flow? Because they use Jeff Green a lot as a guy that can guard the other teams for or even their fives. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Green might be guarding Giannis a lot. I expect Blake Griffin to guard Giannis early in the series. Um, They're going to need Jeff Green at some point because Giannis, I mean, he can have his way with Blake Griffin, Nicholas Claxton, DeAndre Jordan. You know what I'm saying? If they get Giannis on the move and put, don't put him at the top of the key and just let him stand there and draw to the basket – all game and build a wall. If you put him on the move, that might help the Bucks out. Drew Holiday, the last time we saw the Nets play the Bucks, Drew Holiday had Kyrie in a damn prison. Mm-hmm. The problem is James Harden didn't play. And you can't, Drew Holiday can't guard both of them.
0: I was just about to say that.
1: Drew Holiday can't Harden guard both played. of them. <laughs> Drew Holiday like, can't guard both of them, man.
0: Yeah. And, and, and trust me, and I respect Drew Holiday's game totally. The dude is a straight up baller. He plays defense, he brings on the offensive end, he can shoot the three. He's a transitional NBA point guard, if you think about it. Uh, And he doesn't take any plays off. Like you said, the issue is here. If you put him on Kyrie. Harden. Who guards Harden? (laughs) Who's going to go Harden? And you think for one second that Kyrie Irving doesn't remember being in prison the last matchup? One thing we know about Kyrie is he's an alpha dog. And he remembers everything. And he takes it to heart. He wears his heart on his shoulders a lot of times. He remembers being put in prison. You think that he knows that, hey, I'm playing with my boys now. Like, hey, you think you're going to put me on lock now? Huh. I drop it to Harden for 40. I dish it out to Katie on the wing for 30. Joe I can dish it to Blake Griffin. <laughs> I mean, like, literally, like, it's who do you guard? Because, it's, yeah. it, you know, you lock him down, two of the guys can give you 40 apiece. Like, it's, you know, like you got Joe Harrison give you 20. Blake Griffin give you 12 and 15 off the bench. Come mm-hmm. on, now, Alex.
1: Don't forget about guys like um, Claxton Solid. Um, yeah. Landry Shaman's had some decent games in the playoffs before. I mean, they
0: got – came some. from L.A.? Who yeah, can shoot they, the three also?
1: Bruce Brown is a dog. He just does the dirty work. Like, they have just so much firepower. I, I'm going with the Nets in six. I not okay. want to say five. I think the Bucks are good enough to win a couple games. I just don't think they're good enough to win. I just don't think they have the enough firepower. And like I said, it's really going to come down to really – How do they deal with the Brooke Lopez situation? Because I think the Nets are going to attack him. They're going to put him in a pick and roll. They're going to put him in a lot of pick and rolls. And if you drop off against this team, they're going to make you pay. They're just going to make you pay. Um, Real quick, we have a game seven, the last series of the first round. It's been a bizarre series where every team on the road has won. And it's a game seven tomorrow. We have the L.A. Clippers who – I feel like if they get bounced tomorrow and lose four home games in the first round, Kawhi Leonard might be out of there. He has an option to opt out of his contract. You heard some stuff about the Miami Heat possibly being a destination if he's not happy and decides to leave. Luka Doncic has been outstanding in the playoffs, but he hasn't really gotten help from Porzingis, who has been—I'm sorry—Porzingis has been soft. Mm-hmm. You, you're you're seven three. And you got guys that are six five, six six guarding you, and you don't post them up, take them to the block. You're just shooting little turnaround fadeaways over these guys. You are seven three. Like please,
0: <laughs> Porzingis been stealing money. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> He's been stealing money, man.
1: Porzingis has finessed the Mavericks this year. <laughs> he he straight finessed them. He is. Scamming. I won't even <laughs> He is scamming Dallas like a PPP loan.
0: Hey, hey, so I'll say this about the game, game seven. This is the first time in NBA history where the road team has won the first six games. I think that, that trend stops tomorrow, and I'll tell you why. Oh, yeah, Kawhi Leonard ain't going to let that happen. Kawhi Leonard's like going to let it happen, first off. And I said this a couple of games ago. The reason why they probably didn't have Kawhi Leonard chasing Luka around a lot is because you don't want to just have your primary ball scorer Exuberating so much energy, just like how LeBron from his earlier years to his last, you know, latest years were. In the earlier years, you could put LeBron on anybody, which you still can do, but you necessarily, he's going to be gagged. I mean, he's played in the league 18 years. You're not going to put Kawhi, I think last game, them putting Kawhi Leonard on Luka early in the matchup. I mean, and Luka still got his in, but you also got, remember Kawhi dropped, he gave you 40 something points, um, including like the last nine points of the game. I mean, like, it speaks for itself. Not only will they put Kawhi on Luka, um, the games in Staples Center. The Clippers know that if you blow up this year in back-to-back seasons after they getting dropped last year by Denver, if you blow up back-to-back seasons in your home in Staples Center, Kawhi's likely gone. He could opt out like you mentioned before. But Paul George is playing for a lot also. He's playing for his legacy. He's playing for his for his face back, literally, because he screwed it up last year in the playoffs also.
1: Way so off Luka- P. Way yeah. off P.
0: They call they call oh well they've been calling them pandemic P lately, but I mean hey I I'll tell you this I'll tell you this
1: pandemic P way off P it's not good, yeah. man.
0: <laughs> it's the same P the Clippers are they're playing for just so much more. I would love for the Mavericks to beat them, being a Laker fan, but you know, you're playing for your legacy, you're playing for you're supposed to be the favorites coming out of the West um in a potential matchup with the Brooklyn Nets. But they're playing for just so much more this year. They know that the first six games having gone their way necessarily on the road. It's just you. You have to win. It's championship or bust. Just like it was before the season started. It's championship or bust. You don't just get to the Western Conference Finals and just oh we we made it here success. No, it's not happening like that. You know that you need a championship. You it's it's, it's NBA championship or bust. Yeah, the Dallas Mavericks. You. Screw, you You literally lost games on purpose for resting your superstars to get a better matchup with the dang on Dallas Mavericks, and you're in a game seven in your home arena. Mm-hmm. Think about it for a second. You rested your star players the end of the season to get a better matchup, even though you won't come out in the media and say it, and you're in a game seven with a straight-up dog at point guard position or other team. If they get any type of production for Porzingis, and you got Hardaway, who is playing for a contract extension this offseason, who he's going to get it more than likely. If they get any type of production for Porzingis, it's going to it, – I mean, it's you're likely for an upset. I'd say that. They haven't got nothing for Porzingis all series long, in my opinion. You get any type of help alongside Luka, who's going to give you probably a triple-double tomorrow, 35, 10, and 12, more than likely. If you get any type of production for Porzingis, you can forget about it, man. I call it upset, but I'm going with my heart. I think the Clippers will win tomorrow at home. Um to advance the next round. I really do. I think that that trend stops tomorrow with the road team winning six games, which has never been done in NBA history. I'll, put, I'll say this
1: real quick before we, um, before we wrap it up. This is the Clippers' only shot to get to the finals. Mm-hmm. Le- LeBron is out. Jamal Murray's out. Steph Curry's out. If you're going to do it, this is the year to do it. Because, like we said, the Lakers are, are getting rested – they're angry. They're pissed off. They'll make some tweaks. What tweaks they make, I don't know, but a healthy LeBron AD are still going to be a force in the West next year with some – add some shooting on that team and maybe a couple other pieces on that team. The Warriors are going to have a say in it. One, the Warriors still have – they have a lottery pick this year on top of the one they had last year where they took James Wiseman. They have one this year. They can use it as a trade asset to make a move, a major move. They um, – they're not going to sit back and stay pat pretty much they are going to make a move or they're going to take one of these young studs in the lottery this year, depending on where they end up in the draft. And they're going to be, have some young pieces on top of clay Steph, and Draymond green. Um, they're going to have a say in it. Denver, a healthy Denver is definitely going to have a say in it. You had Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Nikola Jokic, Will Barton, who was out also, but a lot of people haven't talked about. It. Will Barton's also out for Denver as well. A guy that can come off the bench and get buckets. Aaron Gordon, like Denver is loaded, man. Yeah. Denver is going to go to a finals in the next two or three years because when you have a guy like Michael Porter who can get a bucket anywhere on the floor anytime he wants with Jamal Murray, who also get a bucket, and Jokic, who can make plays and they're deep, they have a bench. Yeah. So if you're the Clippers and you just, you just look at the landscape, and then Phoenix is coming, you know, Chris Paul might restructure his contract, but he might restructure his contract so Phoenix can go get another player. You might stay in Phoenix to restructure the contract to give them more cash rates to get another piece. So that's four teams right there. Luca is coming. Luca's already giving them hell. If Mark Cuban can find a way to add a piece in Dallas, Dallas is going to be right in there in the mix as well. Memphis is coming. They're young. They're hungry.
0: Portland isn't going anywhere.
1: Portland's not going anywhere. They need to make some tweaks, and they're gonna have they already changed coaches. And they might, you know, make a trade whether it's C.J. McCollum or Nurkic. But Portland's going to make a move. They're not going to set Pat and take risk of losing Damian Lillard for the. You think about game, his, bringing Jason
0: Kidd in, who Lillard said today he wants his next head coach yeah, after Jason losing. Jason Kidd, and,
1: uh, is yeah. Either Jason Kidd, Chauncey Billups. Yeah, I, I think Chauncey deserves his head coaching job. He's worked. He deserves to have a mm-hmm. shot to be a head coach. So I mean, if you're the Clippers, you're like, okay, all these teams are coming whether it's because of they're going to be healthy or they're young, up-and-coming, up and or both. So just look at the landscape of the West. If they don't do it, in, oh, yeah, and, and Utah. Utah's yeah. a relatively young team. Number so one seed. Yeah, we don't talk about Utah's number one seed, but they are the number one seed in the West. So you have to do it now. You have to do it now. If you're going to get to, get to a finals or win a championship, it has to be this year because you're not going to do it next year because yeah. Denver already gave them problems. And the way Denver's playing now, they're going to be uber confident when they do get their guy Murray back. Mm-hmm. The Warriors are going to have a say in it. They're not the Warriors are not going to The sit- Warriors are going to
0: have a lot to say about it.
1: The Warriors are not going to sit back the way the last couple of years have went and just be okay with him, take a chance on just Stephen Clay and Draymond. They are going to add another piece to that team, whether it's through the draft or they're going to trade the pick or make some type of move. And we know the Lakers aren't going to stand pat. LeBron's not going to allow them to stand pat. LeBron's like, I need some help. I only. This is a lot. I think this is the last year, or did LeBron sign the extension? I might. I think LeBron did sign an extension. Maybe another year. He signed an
0: extension to help um, set up uh, AD's contract.
1: Okay, but he doesn't have a lot of years left. Hell, he's about to be thirty-seven. Yep. <laughs> so you you cannot stand <laughs> back and let get bounced in the first round and just be okay we'll, we'll just run it back we'll be healthy no you gotta add some pieces because lakers have some flaws on that roster mm-hmm. so if you're the clippers and if you get bounced in the first round when you had championship expectations you had Kawhi talking about i'm the new king of la you had banners in la you were you know you said that you want to make it a robbery well if you want to make it a robbery the lakers win it last year go win one this year go do it this year at least, or at least get to a finals this year. If you want to talk about make, being a rivalry. Otherwise, if you get bounced in the first round, you might as well just pack your bag and go to Seattle. Hell, they want a team. Vegas wants a team. If you want to make a statement in Los Angeles, the city of Angels is a Lakers town first, not the Dodgers, not the USC Trojans, not the Bruins, and damn sure not the Rams or the Chargers, because <laughs> Lord knows the city of Los Angeles does not give a damn about the, the Chargers or the Rams. They wanted the Raiders the NFL said the Raiders of Vegas and they left LA with the chargers who they really came and pack a soccer stadium out with a 30,000 seat soccer stadium out with and the Rams who half the time, the other team's fans take over that stadium. stadium. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It is a Lakers town. If you want to make any type of waves in Los Angeles, get to the finals. And that's all I'm going to say about that for the Clippers. I think they will win tomorrow because if they don't, they're going to be the laughingstock of L.A. again.
0: Yeah. If they don't win tomorrow, I believe Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's gone. And I would make a prediction. I think that maybe Pandemic P would request a trade out of L.A. Call me crazy. But I think that, you know, I understand he had depression and mental health issues, and he admitted to that um, during the bubble last year, who people made a mockery of it, which – you should never make a mockery of someone that's going through depression issues, but he, you know, he admitted he had depression issues. I think that that type of stuff could reiterate again. And I think that it would be best for him to find a new environment um, to just get out of that type of situation completely. But if they lose tomorrow, I would expect Kawhi Leonard to opt out, maybe head to South beach. I'll let to have him across the hall, but with the salary cap issues, I think that's kind of impossible. Um, having LeBron, AD and Kawhi trying to, you know, fit a team around all three of those superstars. That's, Highly unlikely. Uh, if they lose tomorrow, I believe both of them would be going out of town. I really do. Um, I got the Clippers winning tomorrow as well. I agree with you completely.
1: Yeah, man. Oh, well, shoot, man. We cover a lot, man. So, I
0: hope you it, all man. enjoy this, man. Yeah, we'll definitely be having some hot takes uh, next week. Uh, as you mentioned before, we have a game seven tomorrow. Um, the second round of NBA playoffs, I believe, start Monday, I believe. Tomorrow, actually, no, tonight. The, yeah, no, yeah, it is tonight. Yeah, tonight. Bucks, uh, second round Bucks NBA playoffs start tonight. Yeah, Bucks and Nets start tonight, and then
1: Hawks and Sixers start tomorrow afternoon. Then Denver and um Denver and Phoenix starts Monday, and then the winner of the game seven between the uh, Mavs and Clippers play Utah on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Next week we'll definitely hit on some Panther talk. Uh, the Panthers. I uh, started the OTAs recently. We had uh, our president, CEO, uh, Ty Hurt. She's been at the OTAs, uh, giving us updates on Twitter, um, as well as her social media page. Um, you can follow her at Keep Blitzen on Twitter. Once again, that's Keep Blitzen. Uh, she gives you the day-to-day updates of the Panthers. Uh, like I said, she goes to the Panther games. Uh, she is Carolina Panthers Twitter Um, so follow her she'll give you all the updates on the Panthers Uh, we'll definitely talk on I believe Burns switching positions to safety uh, this upcoming season for the Panthers which uh, you know should be pretty big uh, especially with them getting uh, JC Horn out of South Carolina with the number 8 overall pick so we'll hit on some Panther talk next week Uh, once again um, stay tuned with us Two Shades of Blue podcast a part of Carolina Blitz Uh, we love y'all man you be safe out there in these streets Uh, and like I said before Wear a mask, wear a mask, get vaccinated, wear a mask. We'll talk to you soon, man.
1: Wear your sunscreen, it's hot as hell outside too. (laughs) Protect, keep your skin healthy. (laughs) Stay hydrated and be careful out in these streets. Yes, sir.